Leo is somewhere on the floor and I sincerely hope he's not chewing on any wires. Hello and welcome to Hidden Among Us. I'm your host, Chris. And this is Honda. And welcome to episode 46. Huh? Huh? <laughs> is it 46? No, 46? I, don't, I don't think it's 46. I feel like uh, it's not. It's not. It's 47, right? Eh? Yeah. What is it, 46? It is 46. It is. Right? Ah, okay, yeah. I got confused with the... Our one year anything. <laughs> Lol. Okay, anyway, yes. Welcome to episode 46. We totally didn't screw that part up. Anyway... Um, Honda, how has your week been? <laughs> oh my god, this long pause. Honda, does this mean that you had an eventful week or you, like, nothing happened at all? I mean, it's just me working almost every day. That's it. Oh well. Well, work from home admin is not fun. <laughs> oh shit. I Why though? I get sleepy so much more easy, easily. But what about like phone calls and stuff? Oh no, we don't do that anymore. Because from so it's purely emails. Emails, yeah. It's uh, it was really a lot. Like, cause I only started helping out from like Thursday, late afternoon, mm-hmm. after my other part time, and. Based on what I know, like my colleagues were like fighting with emails from Monday to Wednesday. <gasps> and I think like they had like 300 backlog of emails to go through. Shit. I know. And it's just everyone's just asking for their own stuff. And it's, uh, yeah, it was, I think it was quite tiring for them. I mean, okay. when I helped out on Thursday afternoon, it was, it was still a lot also. Like I couldn't see that bottom of the emails. Oh my God. Do y'all not have like a contingency in the sense where if a bunch of people ask a certain thing, like y'all have a standard answer kind of thing? I mean, we do have template answers and then people will like reply. It's just that it's a lot. Oh, yay. I mean, we also have to like, you know, do other admin stuff. Okay. Well, oh, yeah. it's just that because with like all the situation now, like everyone's like, Everyone's so irritated. So like, mm. they take it out anywhere they can. So yeah. It's, it, it can be quite annoying. <laughs> also, the other day during lunch break, so near my workplace, like where we get our food is like, it's like a whole bunch of like, um, hawker centers. Yeah. Yeah, like coffee shops and stuff like that. So the other day we went there and it was so empty and they've like, very, like, they've used tape, like those... What kind of those red and white tapes? Uh, it's not tape. Yeah. It's not sticky. It's like uh, yeah. It's not sticky. I forgot what it's called. Caution ribbons. Tape? It's not really. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, construction they've... caution tape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they've used those stuff and they've like literally wrapped it around tables. Yeah. To stop people from sitting there and eating, and it's so empty and it's so sad. And I've noticed that a lot of stalls are like closed. 
Yeah, because it's it is it's no benefit for them to open their stores during this period. Precisely. And the thing is, it's really like I feel for all these uncles and aunties who owns these stalls because the rent is freaking expensive. It's expensive to buy ingredients and they sell food for a living and I mean that there are schemes and stuff like subsidy stuff for them. But then not everyone is in a the the current rental like waiver thing is for places for hawker places that is under NEA. And not everyone's yeah. under any like yeah. You have food stalls that are in malls as well, you know, or like other coffee shops. Precisely. So, so they were not they're not getting any like benefits or like help. Yeah. So for like all these uncles and aunties, like And they can't go online. Like they, they can't don't go know online. How. Yeah. There's this uh there's this whole thing about how a lot of these um stalls they cannot make this transition online or to like deliveries and stuff. Because they're so, they can't speak English at all. Yeah, so they really, really, really depend on like social media, like nice customers who like post about them. It's so sad. And I really, really hope more can be done to help these hawkers stall uncles and aunties. Mm. And not to mention, like, they're all usually elderly people mm. yeah so I mean since we're like in Singapore we're trying to make hawker like a whole heritage like a whole heritage world heri- thing world heritage thing then really now's the time to actually support them yes and not make it some like tourist grab thing precisely and once again we see that not enough is being done for them so, once again, two ministers. I don't know if any ministers listening to us, no. but like, please help them. Y'all have the power to do something. Like, it's so sad to walk into a hawker center and like legit only a few stores are open because everybody else is, they don't see the point or it's just expensive to work on that day. It's depressing everywhere, honestly. It's depressing yeah. everywhere, yeah. You go into but, malls, like, it just feels very gloomy. Every, oh my gosh. You're just walking anywhere, it feels gloomy. And like, it's, it's even dangerous it's to go to rainy. malls now. Oh, yeah. Because if you I go mean, into the wrong mall, you're going to get, like, a swab test, like, a week later or something. Oh, if you visit oh. this mall during this period, go get a swab test. Yeah, and recently, two malls have to close down for, like, two weeks. Oh my god, if you still MI. Oh lol. I mean, oh, you just exposed our JC. Oh, you can play, you can beat that out. <laughs> yeah, anyway, if if you go to a school that is near, I don't know, um Gem and what's the other place that has Westgate. close Westgate, Westgate, then it's still connected. So it's like Yeah, it's like ugh. You still remember. <laughs> Yes, Honda, I do. I still remember. No, we, we always go there a lot. Like, just to walk around. Honda, are you ready for today's story? Sure. <laughs> it's a interesting story. And it's from a country we've never covered before. Oh? Oh, uh. I know. 
So this story is from Amsterdam. Hey, sorry, not Amsterdam. Why am I saying Amsterdam? What the? <laughs> it's so random. Okay, you will find you'll figure out why is it Amsterdam. But anyway, this story is from Austria. So anyway, this is the story of Elizabeth Fritzel. <laughs> the silence of like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, anyway, let's get on with the story. So on 19 April 2008, 19-year-old Kirsten Fritzel was rushed to the local hospital by her father, Joseph Fritzel in Emstetten, Austria. Now you know why I suddenly said Amsterdam. No, I still don't know why. It's Amstetten. Okay, never mind. Forget it. No. Yeah, forget it, Chris. (laughs) So Kirsten, when she was rushed into the hospital, she was extremely ill and in the process of organ failure. Like her her body was literally shutting down. Mm. And what would be this emergency patient at the hospital would turn out to be just a tip of the iceberg in a case that would literally shake up Austria and the world at that time. So, Kirsten Fritzel's father was indeed Joseph Fritzel, but her mother would turn out to be her older sister, Elizabeth Fritzel. Oh no. Oh yes, Honda. <laughs> oh no. It's like deja vu to last week, sort of. Yeah. But this one is worse. <laughs> yes, it's worse in a lot of aspects. So more information on Elizabeth Fritzel. Elizabeth Fritzel was born on 6th April 1966 to Joseph and Rosemary Fritzel. So she was the fourth child out of seven. Wow. Yeah, I think they had uh three sons, four girls. Hmm. Yeah, so they had seven children. So at the age of 15, Elizabeth actually began to study um this course. She took a sort of training course in order to become a waitress. And then on January 28, 1983, she actually ran away from home to Vienna where she stayed with a friend. But the authorities caught her three weeks later and returned her to her parents. Mm. Yeah. By the way, throughout this story, you will feel extremely frustrated by the authorities because I was like, ready to throw hands at them. Not kidding. Anyway, so um, Elizabeth actually eventually finished her waitressing course around the middle of 1984, and then began to work in the nearby city of Linz. Mm -hmm. But the thing with Elizabeth was, she had actually been sexually abused by her father from the age of 11. So at age 11, Joseph Fritzel would expose himself to Elizabeth, and he would leave like pornographic magazines under her pillow. And then at the age of 12, the abuse turned physical. Mm. Yeah. And um, when Elizabeth actually started her training to become a waitress, at this point, she genuinely thought that she could be free from her father. And her friends at school would also say that Elizabeth seemed to be very unhappy. 
But even after running away from him, there was no way of escaping him. And then on August 28, 1984, Joseph Fritzl would ask Elizabeth to help him carry a door down to the basement. So Joseph had actually been working on a bomb shelter. And this was like post-war Austria. And mm. the Cold War would begin like a few years later in about... Oh, sorry. The Cold War is still going on. Like it was like 1984. So like 70s, 80s, Cold War is going on. So if anyone in Austria were to be like, hey, I'm building a bomb shelter, literally nobody would bat an eye. Mm-hmm. Because these were paranoias that the people there lived with. Mm. So when Joseph was like, okay, I'm going to work on a bomb shelter, like nobody cared. They Mm. were like, okay, understandable. Have a nice day. But the thing with this Joseph dude was that when he was three years old, um, like Hitler literally came through his town and his Mm -hmm. father like put him on his shoulders to see the Fuhrer. And Joseph was really taken by Hitler and like he was like enamored by him. Uh, okay. But, but Joseph's mother had actually been arrested by the Gestapo like three years earlier and had actually stayed at a concentration camp. Okay. So just mm-hmm. some insight into this man. Yes. So Joseph was actually good at construction and he called this shelter his kingdom. Yes. Kingdom. So on August 28th, while Elizabeth was actually helping Joseph with the door, he knocked her out. Like, he used chloroform and he knocked her out. So she was unconscious. And when she finally came to, she realized that she was handcuffed to a column. Mm -hmm. So Joseph left her there for two days. And then Joseph returned to the basement with a leash. And he attached the leash to Elizabeth so that she could go to the bathroom, but she could not leave the basement. So she could move around the basement a bit, but she couldn't get out of it because she had a leash on. Mm. Yeah. And Elizabeth would then go on to say that she believes that Joseph had her on a leash for nearly nine months. (laughs) And of course, Elizabeth's disappearance did not go unnoticed. So her mother, Rosemary, reported her as missing. Mm-hmm. But Joseph would, like, he would provide a letter. Like, he would show that he had this letter to the police that was penned by Elizabeth. So in the letter, she claimed that she was staying with her friend and that they should what? not look for her. Now, this and her previous instance of running away from the family made her disappearance plausible. So the authorities saw all these various factors and they were like, okay, this seems to be a case in which she, she has run away and she's she's 18. So mm-hmm. okay. there's nothing we can do mm-hmm. about this. And on top of this narrative of her having like a previous runaway incident and stuff, Joseph also pushed the narrative that she had run away to join a cult. Mm. Yeah. But in reality, Joseph had actually forced Elizabeth to write this letter. And this was because Joseph didn't have the cleaner's past either. 
So Joseph had actually spent time in jail for sexually assaulting a woman at knife point. So he spent, I believe, 16 months out of 18 months in jail because he actually stalked this woman home, broke into her house, and then sexually assaulted her. And on top of that, he also had a history of attempted assaults, indecent exposure, and he would literally peep at couples having sex. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Joseph knew all these things and he was like, okay, if the police were to look into my past, they might suspect something. So he produced this letter and essentially it was a red herring. So the authorities looked at it and they were like, okay, yeah, open and close. It's a, it's a teen that has run away from home. Meanwhile, in the basement or the dungeon, I'm going to call it a dungeon because calling it like a basement... <laughs> his kingdom doesn't, yeah, like his kingdom, like he doesn't even cut it. So, in the dungeon, as was actually threatened by Joseph, so he told her that he would gas her if she tried to retaliate or escape him. Mm. Yeah, this very Nazi era, yeah, punishments coming into play. So, in fact, he needed to trap Elizabeth in his dungeon because. She was intending to leave home because she had found a job out of town and she had actually said that she was going to stay with her older sister. But this definitely did not fly with Joseph who felt the need to control her. So Joseph was a controlling man. Like He controlled his wife and his children and it was to the point where he would like, if his children didn't greet him properly or like thank him properly, he would hit them. Oh. Yeah, so he is not a good man. Nope. So the basement itself, I mean the dungeon, had a single room that Elizabeth had to stay in. Joseph would visit her once every three days to bring her food and then to assault her. And for example, if Elizabeth like retaliated or pissed him off, he wouldn't bring any food, so she would have to starve. Yes. Two years later, Elizabeth would suffer a miscarriage at 10 weeks of pregnancy. And mm. then on 30th August 1988, four years after Elizabeth had been enslaved in her father's dungeon, she gave birth to her first child, Kirsten Fritzel. Mm. Yes. So Kirsten is um, the girl that I started the story with, the one that ended mm-hmm. up in the hospital. So we'll get to her later. So what Joseph did, being the amazing father <laughs> he has been this entire time, he left um, Elizabeth with a book on childbirth. Oh, wow. A towel <laughs> and a pair of scissors. And he was like, okay, this is all you need. Give birth by yourself. So in this, like, cold, dingy dungeon, Elizabeth had to give birth to her first child by herself. Yeah. And at this point, Elizabeth was 21. (sighs) And, like, I guess some people argue that 21 isn't, like, that young. But... For like a first-time mother, especially without any support, it's 
freaking terrifying. And in that situation. Yeah, and in that situation and the circumstances of this birth, like this pregnancy, I mean, is also like, mm. it's terrible. And then um, two years later in 1990, she would give birth to her first son, Stefan. Uh, you will notice that there is a two-year gap in a lot of these that will appear. Okay. And mm-hmm. then uh, two years later, in 1992, which I actually wrote as 1922 and I was like, huh? I'm back in time. So anyway, in 1992, she gave birth to Lisa, so her second daughter. But Lisa, unlike Stefan and Kirsten, um, she wasn't born healthy. So she was actually born with a heart condition, like a heart defect. And because of this, um, Lisa would constantly cry and Elizabeth would literally have to beg her father to seek medical help for her daughter. Mm-hmm. And realizing that Lisa's crying and medical issues could possibly cause him to get exposed, he took Lisa, put her in a cardboard box, and mm. left her on his doorstep. Yeah. He did this so that Rosemary, his wife, would find the baby. Okay. And so attached to the cardboard box was a note. And this is what the note um, read, okay? You'll probably be shocked to hear from me after all these years and with a real live surprise, no less. I breastfed oh. her for about six and a half months and now she drinks milk from the bottle. She's a good girl and she eats everything else from the spoon. And it was penned by Elizabeth. Mm. Yeah. Of course, once again, authorities were like, you know what? Even though this baby is kind of suspiciously on your doorstep, there's this letter penned by like her wow. mother. So like, there's no problem here. So Joseph and Rosemary brought Lisa to the hospital. Um, they got surgery done for the baby. And then they later formally adopted her. Okay. Then on December 16, 1994, so two years after Lisa's birth, the next child, Monica, would appear on the Fritzel's doorstep. So this time, the baby was not in a cardboard box. It, um, the baby was found in Lisa's stroller in the sort of like, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like kind of like the lobby-ish in front of the house. Porch. Kind of. It's not really a porch. Anyway, yeah, but the baby was found there. (laughs) And um, this time, there wasn't a note attached, but Rosemary actually received a call. And this call, she believed was from Elizabeth, basically telling her that she left the baby at the doorstep. Mm -hmm. So once again, the authorities were like, okay, this makes sense. And Rosemary... Okay, so Rosemary was shocked. But she wasn't shocked because there was a baby on her doorstep. She was shocked because they had recently changed their number to an unlisted one. Uh. So she was like, how did Elizabeth get my number when we just changed it and it's unlisted? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but the authorities were like, all right, ma'am, we don't see an issue here. The authorities are so lazy. I, ugh. I was so frustrated. I was like, are you kidding me? But anyway, I guess this is like 1990s detective work or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but of course, um, this was applied by Joseph once again. So he had actually recorded Elizabeth saying, I just left her at your door. And then what he did was he found a payphone, he called, and then he played back the recording. I see. Yeah. Elizabeth eventually begged um, Joseph to increase the size of the dungeon in the basement. And eventually Joseph was like, okay, we, we can increase the size. But he made her and her children dig the soil with their hands to expand the basement. Oh, wow. And then on 28th April 1996, Elizabeth gave birth to twin boys, Alexander and Michael. But unfortunately, yes. Michael did not survive. So in order to get rid of the body, um, Joseph incinerated the body in a furnace. <laughs> yep. And then at 15 months old, um, Alexander was brought upstairs um, to be with his other sisters, Lisa and Monica. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of interesting now because um, you have children in the upstairs, which Mm -hmm. is Alexander, Lisa and Monica. And then you have children in the downstairs, which is Kirsten and Stefan. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So um this will come into play later. So for Elizabeth and the children living with her in the dungeon, they are only uh oh wait, sorry, where was I? <laughs> okay, sorry. Missed a bullet point. Um uh, and then on December 16, 2002, Elizabeth's last child, Felix, was born. This time, Joseph did not bring him upset upstairs to be raised by Rosemary. Because his wife was literally at the limit with children. Mm. And like, mind you, babies were turning up on her doorstep like every two years. <laughs> and it's really not easy to raise babies. And no. she was definitely growing older. Yeah. So Joseph, Joseph, the wonderful husband that he was, he cared so much. So he was like, I won't bring this baby up. Elizabeth can take care of this baby downstairs. And that's why Felix was left with Elizabeth in the dungeon. (laughs) So for Elizabeth and her children living in the dungeon, um, their only connection with the outside world was a television set that uh, Joseph had installed. And it's so sad because these children had literally never stepped outside. So they don't mm. even know what the feeling of sunlight feels like. They don't know what grass feels like. They they have never experienced any of these things. While the children upstairs, um, they they got to live a pretty cool life. Like they they were like signed up for music lessons. They went to school. They mm-hmm. were raised in a pretty much happy environment. Like Joseph had his strict moments but it was never like abusive abusive yeah 
And all this finally circles us back to the eventual day on April 19, 2008, oh, when wow. Kirsten Fritzel was brought into hospital in critical condition. So she's actually unconscious when they brought her in. Huh? So the police actually contacted the police about um, this mystery patient that had just entered the hospital. Mm-hmm. And when the police questioned Joseph, he told them that he had found her leaning against the wall on the ground floor and that she had a note on her. So the note stated that the girl, Creston, was Elizabeth's daughter and that she needed medical help urgently. Mm-hmm. But the police were like, okay, uh, something seems a bit sus here. So finally, like literally finally, and they reopened Elizabeth's missing person's case. But this was also only to find her and connect her to Creston. Mm. So Joseph would tell authorities that Creston had... Uh, sorry, not Creston. So Joseph would reiterate to authorities essentially that Elizabeth had run away years ago, 24 years ago, and that she had joined the cult. And that's why she was missing. Mm. And then he would produce a letter from January that year where Elizabeth talked about her children's health issues. So in this letter, she would literally said like, oh, you know, like Stefan had seizures and whatever, whatever, whatever. My children are not feeling well. Um, and said that she would eventually be coming home. Like she wanted to come home. Mm-hmm. And all this time, so throughout this story, Every time there's a letter, it's um, it's written by Elizabeth, but Joseph was forcing her to write these letters. So what Joseph would do is when he wanted to mail these letters, he would go out of town and then mail it from there. So this mm-hmm. would avoid like any possibility of tracing these letters back to him. So the same thing happened for this one. So... Joseph went to this town of, I'm going to try to pronounce it, Kometan Ender Krems. This is terrible. Anyway, so he went to this town that was um, 70 kilometers from Amsterdam. So like 70 km from their town. And he mailed the letter from there. So at this point, the hospital was trying to locate the mother and um, the police also doing some investigative work. So the only way to sort of connect the dots is to go to this other town and search for information there. Mm-hmm. But when doctors called up, when the hospital called up hospitals in this other town, Kometan and their crams, um, there was literally no record of Elizabeth or Creston there at all. Mm-hmm. So there's no evidence to point to the fact that these two women had actually ever lived there. And then eventually on 21st April 2008, Detective Wolf Hart, an officer in charge of cults, like he's literally in charge of cults, was contacted. So what this man did was, he looked at the letters Elizabeth had written And then he realized that something was off about it. So he noticed that 
the way it was worded seemed very curated. It it, it didn't have like a natural flow when mm-hmm. you write. So he surmised that these letters could not have been written out of her own volition. Mm. So at this point, Joseph was like, okay, shit, like they're closing in. They are starting to put things together. So he resorted to the very last thing he could do. Want to make a guess? He killed him. No, opposite. He actually brought Elizabeth and her children out of the dungeon. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, honestly, I don't know where he was going with this. Because <laughs> I was like, what can you do? Mm. So... 24 years in captivity, Elizabeth finally got out of the dungeon. So Joseph brought Elizabeth to the hospital to see Creston and the police, because they were looking for her and everything, they got a hold of them and detained the both of them. So at first, Elizabeth refused to speak. And it wasn't until officers told her that she would be kept away and safe from her father did she tell them about her 24 years and several children that she had with her father. Mm. So Fritzel had sexually assaulted her over 3,000 times and had forced her to watch pornography. But he would also force her to reenact the scenes in those uh, pornography films in front of her children. Oh, no. Yeah, like, um, Joseph would sexually assault her in front of her children all the time. (laughs) Yeah. And Joseph, aged 73, was finally arrested on April 26, 2008. Um, Elizabeth, Stefan, and Felix were reunited with Rosemary the next day on April 27th. Two days later, on April 29th, DNA tests came back proving that Joseph had indeed fathered Elizabeth's children. Joseph had actually forced Elizabeth to write a letter a year before saying that she wanted to return home, but she was not able to. Mm -hmm. And this is what this man wanted to do, okay? He wanted to stage a rescue in (laughs) which he would go and he would save her from the cult that she had joined. Oh my god. Yeah. So I'm also going to describe the cell um, that I mean, the dungeon that she uh, Mm -hmm. was enslaved in so you can get a better idea. So it had a five-meter-long corridor, a storage area, three small cells that were connected by by narrow corridors, a cooking area, a bathroom, and two sleeping areas that had two beds each. You can actually find pictures of this online. To access the dungeon, there were two ways. So the first was a hinged door that weighed about 500 kilograms. 
And because it was so heavy, it eventually became unusable. The second way was a metal door that was mm-hmm. reinforced with concrete and was on steel rails that weighed 300 kilograms. So this was located behind a shell in Joseph's basement workshop. So in order to enter, you needed to enter a code using a remote. And to get to this door in the basement, um you had to go through five basement rooms that were locked. So these were lockable basement rooms. And to get to Elizabeth to get to where Elizabeth was, eight doors mm-hmm. had to be gone through with two that were electronically locked. So with the five doors to just get into the basement, okay, there was an mm-hmm. additional three that would eventually lead to Elizabeth. Oh, wow. And then two of these eight doors were locked. Like electronically locked. So you need a code in order to enter. So high tech. Yeah. And this man built this all by himself, by the way. He had help from like one relative. But other than that, it was just him. And the thing is like, throughout these 24 years, um, Joseph would be the only one who could go down to the basement. Like his wife, Rosemary, was not allowed to go down there. It was just him. and he eventually even like quit his job and worked like he sold he was self employed so he could spend more time in the basement did no one suspect all that question what he was doing down there they all assumed that it was work and the thing is um <laughs> austrian society they tend to be quiet So they don't question all these like strange happenings. Like a neighbor would once come out and say like, "Oh, I I heard a lot of like construction going on there." But I mean, he was building a bomb shelter, so they did question what was going on. Hmm. Yes. Ah, uh, so leading to the trial, Joseph claimed that his relations with Elizabeth was consensual please of course um he claimed that he was not the beast the media made him to be and this is literally <laughs> something he said by the way it's in quotations and that he had okay this part made me laugh so hard okay so this was why he was not a beast okay he had brought flowers for Elizabeth What the? Okay. And toys and books for the children. And on top of that, because he's an amazing father, he would watch videos with Elizabeth and the children. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't he amazing? Super fatherly. I All know. in a specially built kingdom. Yeah, his kingdom. He is also an award for being like the best father, don't you think? Best father of the century. Oh. Anyway, um Joseph had actually felt the need to imprison Elizabeth because he wanted to protect her from the outside world because mm. she was deemed to be disobedient and like rebellious. And he emphasized discipline in the Nazi era because that influenced his views. Hmm. And um remember Joseph's mother? 
she mm-hmm. was arrested by the Gestapo and spent like three years in a concentration camp. So at first, Joseph was like, okay, I love my mom. She's so nice. But later he would go on to say that she was abusive and unloving and that he craved her affection. Mm. And she said that he that she demeaned him and even called him Satan. And after marrying Rosemary, his mother came to live with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so in his childhood, his mother sort of ruled over him. But now after his marriage, he ruled over her. And he admitted to locking her up in his attic and breaking the windows. And he went around and he told his neighbors that she had passed away. Oh no, wow. And it is speculated that he kept her locked up for almost 20 years until her death in 1980. Yeah. I don't know, I feel like he was trying to blame his mother for his current issues. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, Joseph said that he was just born the way he is and that he had locked Elizabeth in order to contain his evil side. Yeah. Logic. A forensic psychiatrist diagnosed Joseph as having a severe combined personality disorder which included borderline, schizotypical and schizoid personalities as well as a sexual disorder. Hmm. On 13 November 2008, Joseph stood trial for the murder of Michael Fritzel and was also charged with rape, incest, kidnapping, false imprisonment, and slavery. So we taped recordings by Elizabeth and also a surprising testimony of um, Joseph's abuse by her older brother, Harold. Um, Eventually, on 19 March 2009, Joseph was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for 15 years. Hmm. So, interestingly, apparently Joseph Fritzel is unrepentant for the things that he did. Of course. The children all suffered, suffered. They suffered from very, very, very serious PTSD that took a lot of years and treatment to for them to finally recover. Mm. Yeah, they also had a lot of health issues. Like, I believe Stefan, like, he grew to be 1.73 meters tall, but the the dungeon was only 1.68 meters. Oh, wow. And Crestin uh, would get so stressed out while being in the dungeon, she would, like, pull her hair out. She would cut her clothes, she would dump them in the toilet. Like, it was just not a good place. And even the children who lived in the upstairs, they would have a lot of anger issues. And it took many years of therapy for them to all sort of, you know, sort of heal a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, now the children, they live well together. And so there's no, like, segregation between the upstairs children and the downstairs children. Um, and they all view Elizabeth as their mother so like the yeah as their mother which is kind of messed up because she's technically their sister mm-hmm. yeah 
Yeah, but um, they're all living in this in an unnamed location. They were given the opportunity to change identities as well, and apparently, yeah. um, Elizabeth enjoys going shopping. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so that is the story of Elizabeth Fitzel, who survived something extremely horrific. Like, I don't want to give credit to Joseph Fritzl as the title of this story because he's yeah. an asshole and he deserves to die. Yes. Um, I think the latest update with him is like he's actually quite ill. Oh, he does want to die. I mean, he should be quite old already. Right? Yeah, he's like 80-something, I guess. Uh. Well... So yeah, that's the story. Woohoo. She kind of reminds me of another case that I think we covered. Gary Heidnick. Ah, yeah. Yes. It's like the same kind of basement like, thing. Yeah, keeping them in the basement. Yes, yes. But Heidnick's one had cannibalism, which is freaking intense. No one's quite intense. No one's intense. But yeah, um, hopefully... Oh, the Fritzel family has found peace and safety now that they're away from their monstrous father. Yeah. <laughs> and he managed to deceive his wife this entire time as well. Yeah, yeah. It's like, how can you not suspect though? Um, it's actually really because of gender roles. Because as the wife, she was meant to be docile and controlled. Yeah. So, um... She would even, like, Rosemary would even say that, oh, you know, when he went down to the basement to work, she was not even allowed to give him, like, coffee. Like, she had to completely leave him alone. Okay. Yeah. Sounds so, Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he wanted a partner that he could control, which is also kind of the reason why he... Um, sort of imprisoned Elizabeth. Like, he wanted that control over her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for the story. Sounds like, yeah, it sounds like something out of a TV show. Oh, yeah, speaking of TV shows, Lifetime made a terrible movie adaptation of this. So it's called The Girl in the Basement, and it's made by Lifetime. So that tells you the quality of the movie. But the Lifetime one is like set in America. Okay, of course. Yeah. Also, like my family, we've been watching Lifetime like this entire day because they are like marathoning MasterChef Australia. Oh, is it? Yeah, and I'm like, well, I'm I barely it. like watch, sit and watch TV. Same. But well, it was MasterChef and it was Lifetime and Lifetime stuff is questionable. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, and click that follow button on Spotify. You can also listen to us on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and whatever podcast platform you listen to. And you can follow us on Instagram at Podcast. Share us a message or send us a story if you'd like. You can also email us at hiddenamongustree at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to this episode and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Stay safe. Stay safe. <laughs> oh, yo, me soda.
silence. Yeah. Shit, I clicked on Maps app. Yeah, so.